0: 1208, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. As we always do, we live stream the first couple segments of the program, facebook.com slash 620WTMJ. I'm actually I'm dressed up like a lawyer today. i got, got one of my fancy lawyer suits and stuff on. I come in and people say, "What what's going on? They figure it's either a job interview or a funeral. No, it's it's, it's actually neither one of those. But I'm dressed in the suit. All right, Eric Bilstadt, before you leave. Yes, sir. The fact that you are here... And the fact that the winning Mega Millions ticket was sold in South Carolina means you did not you did not win the lottery. I got one number. You got one. That's num- it. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you because when we spoke yesterday, you were thinking about buying a ticket. Did you, did, <laughs> did did you actually do? You bought yes. one. Did, yes. did you go out of your way to buy one?
1: Well, I needed gas, but I wasn't empty. So if that answers anything, I did make sure I got to the gas station to fill up half a tank and to grab a.
0: And a you ticket. bought one. All right. Yes. Well, okay. Here, here now. Here here is my story. And and it contrasts that it's actually a Wagner family story. Now I was I was on the way home, and my my wife was working last evening, and my dinner was supposed to be like leftover meatloaf, and and she makes really good meatloaf and all. But I was thinking, eh, I don't know, maybe I wanted something a little better. So <laughs> on, on on the way, not that I don't love her no, meatloaf, no, 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 that's great. So I, so I, I pull into like one of the local grocery stores because it was it was Taco Tuesday night, mm-hmm. you know where they make so for seven bucks. $7, they make a couple fresh tacos and things like that. So so I, I got those to eat along with the meatloaf. And it was karma. So I, I went through, like, the self-service lane, like, at the Metro Market. I had a $10 bill. I pay for the, the tacos and stuff, which was $7 mm-hmm. and change. I've got $2, cash American. And then on my way out, okay, there's the, the gal <laughs> there that is selling the Mega Millions oh, tickets. Yeah. So I figure, okay, it is karma. So I stop and I buy one mega millions ticket for, for $2. All right. Needless to say, I did not win. <laughs> uh, but, but here's the flip side. My wife, who is much more frugal than I am, and that's the appropriate word. Um, Fran has, it's like, we're furnishing the house and she will go into a store and say, okay, I'm, I'm interested in that, that chair. Is it on sale? No. Is it going on sale? Has it ever been on sale? And, and she just, she refuses to pay mm-hmm. like retail. Yeah, she, and for she, absolutely. And, and the first time I saw her too, I kind of shook my head, but it, it's just, but she, she wears them down and and it is saved. I can't tell you how much money my darling wife has saved me by, by taking, saved us by taking that approach on like furnishing the house and stuff. So I have bought the one mega millions ticket for two bucks. She comes home from work last night. She said, well, "I bought Mega Millions tickets too." I said, "Okay, <laughs> so now we got two. She says, "No, I, I spent twenty dollars on them." I said, $20. The 20 dollars? You spent twenty. Well, the, exactly, twenty dollars. And the long and short of it is, we um, on one of the ten tickets that she bought, she had the she had whatever. Not it's not the Powerball, whatever they call it is. It's that that that, that number number okay. five. Okay, yep, so yep, that yep. means that means we got two bucks. So oh, good. We invested we invested twenty two. We got two dollars back. Speaking so. of Powerball. Jackpot's pretty
1: high on that one, too, coming up.
0: Well, actually, that that was the deal this morning. I said, okay, why don't you take this $2 one that we got... Go back and roll that over. Let's buy a Powerball <laughs> ticket and see. Now, how many that is going to translate to, I, I don't exactly know. Mm-hmm. But bottom line is somebody in South Carolina, I guess, won the whole, the whole enchilada.
1: Yeah. in Simpsonville, South Carolina, a population 2200 or something like that. Some tiny little place. So. Yeah. That's, that's okay. Let them have all that
0: money. It would have just, it would have ruined our lives anyways, right?
1: <laughs> you were <laughs> making fun of me for saying that. Yes.
0: I was making fun of you for <laughs> saying that, but I, I, I am not, I am not envious, envious if it, if it, If it couldn't have been me, I wanted it to be you, and I guess if it couldn't be us, we're happy that it's somebody in Simpsonville, South Carolina. All right, tonight, though, tonight is the Powerball. All right, let us get started. There's a lot of stuff going on. We will continue to monitor the, the fact that apparently pipe bombs have been sent to a number of very prominent people. The theory is that it's the same person that sent pipe bombs to a number of people. Pipe bombs are, are just nasty, nasty things. Back in another life, I would, from time to time, prosecute people for manufacturing and distributing and setting off pipe bombs, and just very, very scary. And we'll, we'll talk about that, and the fact that some people are trying to already exploit this ongoing situation for political purposes. That's coming up. But I, I want to start with, Something that is going on in the governor's race. Now, the election is two weeks from yesterday, so we're, we're down to 13 days. There have been, you know, a series of interactions back and forth. There was a debate last week between Tony Evers and Scott Walker. And one of the things that emerged in that debate is, is a difference uh, with regard to how you handle people who are in the state illegally. Tony Evers, has come out and has advocated allowing people who are in the state meaning and in the country illegally he has come out and he has advocated allowing them to get drivers licenses now the way it works currently is to get a driver's license you have to be a citizen or you have to be a legal resident you don't if you're not a citizen You have to prove legal residency, and by legal residency, it could be a green card. It could be some sort of conditional entry, but but you can, as long as you're here legally, you can obtain a a driver's license. If you are not in this country legally, you cannot get a valid driver's license from the state of Wisconsin. To Tony Evers' way of thinking, he says, well, look, there are people that are in this country illegally. And they're people who are in the state illegally. They are driving despite the fact that they don't have licenses. So, to his way of thinking, he argues, doesn't it make more sense for both common for both public safety and for employers to allow these people who are in the country illegally to get drivers' licenses because then at least they'll go through some road testing and some vision testing and so maybe the roads will be safer. And they'll be able to drive without being afraid of being pulled over. All right. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There are a handful, just a handful of states, who do, in fact, follow that, that thinking. That it's better, as long as people are going to be here, regardless, even if they're here illegally, we should allow them to have driver's licenses. Scott Walker disagrees with that theory. I'm on Walker's side, but what do you think? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Now, I mean, if you're in this country illegally, I remember in Wisconsin, you know, we have licenses, we have laws that require you to get insurance and things like that. I, I don't know how Insurance companies are going to react to that. I, Off the top of my head, I can't imagine too many insurance companies that are going to be writing insurance policies on people who are with a driver's license or without a driver's license who are in this country illegally. Um So I would assume that we're giving people driver's licenses knowing pretty much that they're not going to have the insurance requirement. But let's tee this up. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should we allow people who are in this country illegally to get Wisconsin driver's licenses? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Once again, we're live streaming facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. You can participate that way as well. 1216 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1218, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Tony Evers, man who wants to be governor, says that he thinks that people who are in this country and in this state illegally should be able to get driver's licenses or permits that allow them to drive. He says, well, it would make it easier for them to get back and forth to work. Now, of course, that also begs the question, because if you are in this country illegally, you are not supposed to be allowed to work. And again, I draw the distinction between in the country illegally versus somebody who is a legal immigrant. If you are a legal immigrant, you can, in fact, get a driver's license. 414-799-1620. Nick in Milwaukee. Nick, good afternoon.
2: I No, I, I think it's a horrible idea because, uh, like you just said, that they're already here illegally thereby lawbreakers and you're going to reward them with a driver's license and what do you think they're going to do on election day they're going to go out and vote for big daddy pony well oh, i i think it's a terrible idea
0: um no th- thanks well i mean I, I guess i mean that's one of the concerns that people have is that this means that oh, okay it's going to be easier to vote because you have the identification i don't know about that or or, or otherwise but this is one. Maybe it's just the simplistic thing, but this is one where you go back to say, "What part of illegal do we not un- understand? If somebody is in this country illegally, all right, and they are, for example, involved in some massive automobile accidents, all right? Do you, do you think they're going to have the wherewithal to make people whole? Do you think that they're going to be able to get insurance? The answer is probably pretty much no. So, what? Why are we encouraging? Somebody who's broken the law to get here in the first place to be able to stay. And then, again, to me it all begs the question, if you're in this country illegally, you're, you're not supposed to be allowed to work. So, this idea, well, they needed to drive back and forth to work. well, okay, the employers aren't supposed to be issuing they're not supposed to be employing people anyways if they're not in this country legally. I mean, we're this station they're they're in the next week or so they're they're going through a sale. Scripps is selling us to good karma. So you know, all of the employees at Scripps. Know, are now going to become good karma employees. That last week, I had to fill out a, a form. What do they call that, the E9s or whatever? I had to come in with my passport, proving that I am a U.S. citizen so I can continue to work here. Everybody around here did. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Mike and Fond du Lac. Mike, you on WTMJ. Good afternoon.
3: Uh, yes, sir. Uh, thank
4: you for taking my yes, call. Yes, sir. I'm this from a different perspective. Um, I had an illegal alien hit my car on, in the roadway legally, uh, at 2 o'clock in the morning. My son had his car hit while driving. Uh, I paid out, I think, on my car $3,100. Mm-hmm. He had $1,700 worth of da- damages. We both filed. Uh, we knew who it was. So we both filed uh, with the police department uh, the complaint so they could arrest them. Um, as luck would have it of course a week later I get a call from the police department uh, the guy was an illegal alien mm-hmm. and uh, as far as the information they have he went back to Mexico
0: right right gone just gone well, right, right no right no no bond no insurance you're out of luck bottom line
3: right, right.
0: yeah no thanks you see that and, and that's I, I guess I mean that that is the the reality now I I get to an extent what Evers is saying because he's saying okay, people who are in this country illegally, they're driving anyways. So they're going to do it anyway, so why don't we just make it legal for them to do that? Now, my friend and colleague, Steve Scafidi, he had a great analogy when I was telling the story. He said, well, okay, well, if that's the case, if we assume that people are just going to shoplift, why don't we just, I don't know, have merchants haul the stuff out, put it on the curb to make it easier for people to do that? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, let's see, Jamie in Milwaukee. Jamie, you're on WTMJ.
2: Yes, uh first of all, these people are not illegal they're undocumented, nobody's illegal they're in the country they're, illegally they're, well yes, but they' but let's not call them illegal aliens. Well, okay, you, you can
0: use your term I'll use mine they're in the country illegally. We agree on that right and, okay. and,
2: and the bill has been out for a number of years where um it is mandated that and it's a nonpartisan. partisan you know, bill if both parties uh there's a elected you know um assembly people who agree that um Yes, we should allow. It's it's a public safety issue.
0: Why do you say it's a public? Tell me what. Tell me what you mean when you say it's a public safety issue.
2: Because they would they would get licensed. They would know the, uh, the laws of the road, and also they're also mandated to get insurance.
0: Who's what insurance company is going to issue a policy to somebody that's in this country illegally?
2: Well, well I think you need to talk to elected officials that agree because it is well, insurance companies do agree. They there it's out there. They will insure people. They, it's, it's a money. And also our, our um, state coffers will get money. So when people go and get a uh, licenses, they pay a special fee. So it, it's a win-win for everybody.
0: Well, now the they only way it would be a win. Oh, let me ask sure. you this. Let me ask you this. If somebody registers for this license and they are in this country illegally, do you think that information should be available to, say, immigration for enforcement purposes?
2: Well, that's that's a different issue. Yeah, We're I talking know about public safety. I mean, you, you want to mix uh, federal law with with you know, first of all, states do not enforce federal law, right? As far as immigration, right? So let's not
0: mix that. Well, no, but, but I mean, I, the states could make that information available. Would, would you would uh, you then support giving people driver's licenses with the idea that this is going to be a public record and that I don't know, federal immigration officials could check it on it, and find out who is driving, who is in this country illegally that has one of these permits.
2: Well, the important thing is these undocumented people will will be biometric. They'll have bi we'll have those biometrics. So if they commit a crime, we can find them. Mm-hmm. So they're they're, they're they're documented as far as public safety. They're here.
0: Well, no, right. right. I understand. Thanks. I, I understand. Thanks. I say okay, Jim. I, you keep saying public safety. I, I don't. Okay, so I don't know what why you think it is safer. So somebody goes in and they pass a vision test and they get a license. Why that suddenly makes them safer on on the roadways? Bottom line is they're not supposed to be here in the first place. They are committing a crime by coming into this country illegally and staying. And for this idea that again we're we're, we're going to well they needed to drive back and forth to work. Well I, I go back to my larger point. They're not supposed to be working either. I mean, the, the, we have laws that say to these different employers, you're, you're not supposed to be hiring people who are in this country illegally. So if the idea is that we're going to give driver's licenses to people in this category so they can go to work to work at jobs that they shouldn't be legally doing in the first place, wh- where is the, where is the sense to that? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Carrie in Madison. Carrie, you're on WTMJ.
5: Uh, hi. I- hi. Regarding the last two callers, um, obviously, unfortunately for Mike and Fond du Lac being hit, but fortunately, that's why you know legal drivers carry insurance and they are unable to file that claim as uninsured motorist. You know, the last caller, like you said, just giving someone a driver's license does not right. you know, provide public safety or ensure that they're going to drive responsibly. And I think it's a horrible idea. They, you are rewarding people for illegal activity you're here illegally you should not be working so you do not need a driver's license and you're not able to track people just because you are giving them identification
0: right I- 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 exactly on-, on all those different levels now th- thanks to call i mean like look this I, I understand there is this simplistic appeal. Oh, well, they're they're here anyways. They're going to do it anyways, so why don't we authorize this? Well, this – all right, you, you can make that argument about just about anything. Hey, why don't we have heroin legal because people use heroin, so, I mean, they're going to do it anyways. Why should we care? People are going to shoplift. Let's just put all the stuff out there. I, I'm sorry – there are all sorts of provisions to allow people who are legally in this country to get driver's licenses. I support those provisions 110%. But as far as treating people who are in this country illegally with giving them licenses, I think Scott Walker is right. I think Tony Evers is wrong. 1227, Jeff Wagner. <laughs> It's 1236, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Jim Taylor, Hall of Famer, Clark Hinkle, John Kuhn. Who are the best fullbacks in Packers history? Make your choice for the Green Bay 100 all time. 53-man Packers roster. Vote on our ballot at WTMJ.com slash Bay All right. The issue that we talked about a few days ago it is not going away. Um, there is a, a migrant caravan. Um, that is growing in size every day. The, the estimates are, depending on who you talk to, five thousand, seventy-five hundred people, predominantly from Honduras, but not exclusively, um, that are making their way through Mexico heading to the, the U.S. border. There's also reports that a second migrant caravan is gathering in Guatemala. Now, there, it's, it's very uncertain as to what the origins are. The uh, president of Honduras has been accused of, of being the one who is kind of behind this, um, trying to say, okay, well, what we're going to do is we're going to get people out of, out of our country, sort of like Castro and the Mariel boat lift. I don't know if that's the case or not. But you do know that you have people who are fleeing you know, Central America, many of whom are, are looking for a better life. There, there's no question about that. But at the same time, there are limits on what the U.S. or any country can do when people present themselves. Now, what happens under the law is this. If the caravan gets to the U.S. border, the people in the caravan will then say they are seeking asylum. And this is what's happened with previous caravans under U.S. law. What has to happen is the people have to be then initially detained while their asylum requests are processed. If there is a preliminary finding suggesting that they might be fleeing persecution, and if you're coming from Honduras, I'm told that that's pretty much an automatic thing, then you move to step two. In many cases, what's going to happen is the people who are pending asylum are going to be released into this country. While their asylum requests are being processed, and in all likelihood, many, maybe most, not all, but many are then just never going to show up. They're going to disappear. So they'll be stopped at the border. They will make their asylum request. They will be detained. And then, in most cases, they will be released with the idea saying, okay, come back for a formal hearing. And many, if not most, don't ever come back. So it's a path then. Then you're in this country illegally. And I guess if Tony Evers gets its way, you can work your way to Wisconsin and you can get a driver's license. That's that's just kind of it. But you you do have these competing interests. You have people who are, in many cases looking for a better life. So they are fleeing en masse, thousands and thousands of people. Again, reports are a second caravan is being organized. Should we, what should we do? I mean, this is a country, I'll present it one way, this is a country built on immigrants. You know, come give us your, your, you know, your, your tired, you know, your poor yearning to be free. All right, should we do that? And if you have five, six, seven, ten thousand 10,000 people, whatever the numbers are, who present themselves at the southern border saying, you know, we're looking for a better life, should we just let them into this country? Is that the humanitarian thing to do? Is it the right thing to do? Or are we heartless if we turn them away? 414-799-1620, that is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line right now. President Trump is saying, hey, my plan is to deploy the military. I want to stop people from getting into this country. They're trying to use diplomatic measures with Mexico to get Mexico to stop people from coming into getting through Mexico. Stop them before they get to our border where you then have this issue created. There's also threats to go after some of these Central American governments who are, I mean, again, some of the arguments are that those governments are encouraging people to leave. But, you know, this is a mess. And it's going to hit home, assuming this caravan stays together, it's going to hit home in the next week or 2 nine nine one six twenty. Should we just let people in, understanding that by coming in, they are probably going to just assimilate themselves into the United States? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. We discuss in a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1241 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1244 Jeff Wagner WTMJ let's start with John in West Dallas good afternoon
6: hey Jeff this is John from West Dallas yes sir Um, you kind of hit it on the head when you said give us your tired support and I think that we can't put an asterisk by that you know Um, when we open up Ellis Island you know it was celebrated and most of those people were hard working people as we know Mm -hmm. but some of them weren't and that's where we kind of got the mafia from I think that yes, we should let it in, but it should be it should be a criteria on how to do it. There's a way to do it. We're smart people. We're Americans. We know how to figure things out. Let's sit down, both parties, and figure it out.
0: Well, I mean, but well, thanks for calling. I mean, let me explain that this is at least how I understand that the process works. You present your you present yourself at the border. You come in and you say, I am fleeing persecution. I want asylum. All right. At that point in time, the way it works now is automatically you are allowed to stay in the U.S. They then you can be detained and they have like a preliminary investigation to determine whether there might be some merit to the asylum claim. And if you look at previous caravans, almost everybody gets that preliminary determination. All right. So at that point in time. It takes – seeking asylum takes a long time. It is a long process, and, and not a lot of people are actually granted asylum. So you have all these people that present themselves They say, we want asylum. There's a preliminary determination that, oh, you're, you're coming from you know some banana republic. Yeah, you're coming from Honduras where the, the government is – this terrible government. Yes, all right, we're going to make that preliminary finding. All right, so then you get that preliminary finding – then what happens is you are typically released with the instructions, all right, well, come back, you know, we'll, we'll further this along. And it's at that point where people get released that they just decide, okay, well, we're not going to come back and pursue this. We're just going to kind of melt into the, the, the country. And we're, once we're here, we're here and we'll take our chances whether we ever get caught. And that's, of course, if you were talking about a handful of people, maybe you can live with that. The problem is you're talking about 5000 6000 7000 people now who knows that everybody in this caravan is going to get there but you really kind of overwhelm the system and i guess to me that becomes the issue can we really have essentially open borders for people who are coming up from central america and decide that they're going to you know walk through through mexico uh, can can any country simply at this point in time say all right just just come on into this country We'll, we'll take 5,000, we'll take 10,000, we'll take, you know, is, is there a limit on our resources? And, of course, you know, th- this is different than legal immigration. Four one four Let's talk to Sam in McHenry. Sam, you're on WTMJ.
7: How are you doing, Jeff?
0: Hi, Sam. What do you think?
7: We don't have the ability to do this anymore. You know, the previous caller was talking about the Europeans coming across. You know, when they got here, they all had skills. And those skills went right to work to build the country that we currently have right now. These people coming from Central America, South America, whatever, they they just don't have these skills. And when they get here, they're coming into the one of the most sophisticated countries on the face of the planet. What are we going to do with all these people when we're already running debt and we can't even make do on the obligations we've made to people that have lived here their whole lives, paid taxes and they're all being told. Well, you might not see your Medicare. You may not see your Social Security. Well, yeah. What do you do with millions more?
0: Well, well, well. Right. I mean, see, and that that's that's where the issue is. You you don't want to be you don't want to be heartless. We understand that people are are fleeing a better they're searching for a better life, and you can't fault anybody for wanting to have a better life. But at the same time, the flip side is how much of that can the United States? Take. And if you're going to now regularly set this thing that, that we're going to have like four or five thousand people on a regular basis presenting themselves and and coming into this country and then kind of like slipping in, what how do we deal with this and, and who is going to pay for it?
7: Yeah, and my, my thoughts, too, is if if these people could quickly assimilate to this lifestyle here, they they would have the abilities to turn their countries around. And make their countries more desirable to live in, but they don't have those abilities, so they yeah. want to come here. But we don't have the ability to turn their lives around.
0: Well, that right, yeah. See, that's the. I mean, thanks for calling, That that's the issue, Sam. It's it's okay. Let us assume, and, and this again, I I'm I'm not going down this route that some people are saying. Oh, this is it's it's full of criminals and things like that. I my guess is what you see is you see people who are leaving leaving their country in search of a better life and, and i i understand that and i on the one hand you can't fault that but at the same time the flip side is how are they going to make that better life and and what can the u.s reasonably be expected to do now i've said this before that i don't know that there's any country in the world anymore that that has just open borders i mean we Generally speaking, people control countries control their borders, because what happens is if you have unchecked sort of immigration, if you have thousands and thousands of people that are crossing the border on a regular basis and then getting into this country and then saying, okay, we want to take advantage of all the social services and things that are there, it it ends up with a crippling sort of cost. And that's why you have to end up controlling your, your borders. And it's why I think in this case, it's so important for President Trump to get with the president of Mexico. And, and figure out a way to deflect this caravan. Cause I tell you, once they get to the border, you, you've got a problem. You, you've got a problem because they present themselves under the law. They say they want asylum. And there's really very little you can do the way the law is constituted now to then stop people from coming in. And, and like I say, a good portion after they get in will probably get a preliminary finding that, hey, you're coming from Honduras. Yeah, you're, you're fleeing persecution. And then you're, you're, into this country and then who knows what happens after that. 414 1620 Let's talk to Heidi in Union Grove. Heidi or WTMJ. Good afternoon.
5: Hi, thanks Hi. for my call. Yeah,
0: thanks just yes, thanks for calling. What do you think?
5: Um you know when the last caller just had said um you know let's work together on this basically when they come over, instead of releasing them into our country, the immigrants, why don't they just go back to their country and say we'll contact you if you're available if you work our, if you work with our system instead of releasing them into our country for their asylum
0: yeah well of course what what they would argue the the the, the idea of the way asylum works is that we can't return to our country because if we return to our country we're going to be persecuted we're going to be killed oh. all those type of things that's the argument that's behind asylum
5: oh okay but don't don't they aren't they um then in in like florida or where they come from to get contained there right and then why don't we just keep them there instead of releasing them
0: yeah well i mean i I mean thank you you i mean these are i mean and again I'm, i'm i'm oversimplifying this but again the way i understand that the law works and the way it works with like previous caravans is you come in you say i want asylum there's you're then detained. And there is a, an initial hearing. And for many people coming from these countries, at least at the initial level, yes, there's a possibility of persecution. You may be entitled to asylum. The asylum process takes a long time. And we, we don't, at least right now, we don't have the facilities to just keep thousands and thousands of people essentially detained while you work its way through the asylum thing. So what we do is we release people kind of uh, the equivalent of like personal recognizance here. We're going to release you. You come back in three months for your hearing. And uh, again, then people end up not coming back uh, because ultimately a lot of people that initially might be told you can get asylum. They ultimately don't end up qualifying for this. And it's, and look, I have no issue with the asylum process, I guess, but I, I don't think it was meant for thousands and thousands and thousands of people. It, it's a system which was developed. You have, you know, the, the family that presents itself, the political, the persecuted, or whatever that shows up. I don't think it was ever intended to deal with what we are dealing with now, which is why, I mean, Congress, I think, needs to get its act together and figure out how you're going to deal with this. or. This is now going to be the again the new trend. And look, and I, my my heart goes out to these people. I, I don't, I, I understand you. Know, you're you're living in a, in a country where the living conditions are absolutely terrible, and you've got a totalitarian government. And all you want is a better life for you and your wife and your three kids. And so you're willing to set out on this, this very, very dangerous thousands of mile trek, you know, trying to get into the United States. I, I understand the motivation that people have, but from the perspective, and I don't want to sound like the ugly American, but from the perspective of this country, we have to be able to regulate this flow somehow. And, and that's the reality because. You want to be kind, you want to be compassionate, but you can't allow thousands and thousands of people on a daily basis or a weekly basis to pour into this country. 1254, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1257, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. have a text here from Ron. Who writes, Are we setting a precedent by allowing 7,000 refugees to enter our country? The Wall Street Journal today had a large picture of a new group forming in El Salvador this week planning to head to the USA where does this end the answer is it doesn't end that that's that's the thing it, it does not end and uh, again this isn't illegal immigration per se this is people who come in and say I want asylum but then they get into this country and then in large measure then once they're here they're here it's very difficult to find them if they melt into the into the uh, fabric of the country This is a huge issue. I I think in many respects, it's an abuse of the asylum procedure. But I mean, Congress has got to get its act together and figure out how it handles this. Hey, before I turn it over to the top of the hour news, and we will have the latest update on the pipe bombs that are sent to a number of prominent people today, it appears that it's the same person who sent them all. Pipe bombs are just nasty, nasty things, and hopefully they'll be able to find who did this very, very quickly and prosecute them. This was an amazing story, though, yesterday. The Milwaukee Health Department is apparently under criminal investigation. Now, we know the health department and the whole, you know, lead pipe thing has been a huge, huge scandal, and we know they've had trouble trying to find it. But what happened was the Common Council, they wanted to subpoena the former health commissioner, Bevan Baker, and apparently... Then ultimately they, they let him out of the subpoena. And now the head of the Milwaukee County, the Milwaukee City Hall, um, one of the aldermen ended up saying, well, the reason that they did that was because apparently the, the health department is under a criminal investigation. And Bevan Baker said he wasn't going to testify once he found the DA's office was going to be there. All right. What is going on in the city of Milwaukee? I mean, seriously, it has now gotten to the point that in Tom Barrett's Milwaukee, things are so out of control that you have the district attorney's office investigating branches of city government for alleged criminal wrongdoing. (laughs) Welcome to Milwaukee. And where is Tom Barrett in, in all this? You know, his department head's. Apparently, under criminal investigation, or at least members of those departments, under criminal investigation, how could it have been allowed to reach this stage? It's one thing, again, if you've got gross competence. It's another thing if there might be criminality involved. 1259, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 108, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, I, I want to open up the phone lines, give you a chance to comment on the, the major story of the day, the fact that Some kook, some dangerous kook engaging in an act of terrorism has sent pipe bombs to a number of prominent liberal figures and to the CNN offices. The package was apparently addressed to a former CIA director, John Brennan, who doesn't even work at CNN. He works for MSNBC. But but again, you get the idea. These pipe bombs are being sent out. But I do I I do want to lead into this. We during Eric's newscast that they've got a, a quotation Hillary Clinton, who of course was was one of the the targets of of one of these bombs, and it is very very scary. Apparently, one was sent to you know her home in upstate New York. She was not there. Former President Clinton was that the thing was intercepted. Uh, but again, very very scary. And I understand why if anybody would have that happen to them, they would have every justification for being extremely upset. Hillary Clinton comes out and says, "Well, this is." You know, we, we have to, her, her phrase, and I think we, they quoted it during the news, is we have to we have to end the angry political rhetoric. All right, and, and that's, that's all well and good, except, of course, two weeks ago, Hillary Clinton does an interview with CNN where she says, and I've got the quotation in front of me now, you cannot be civil with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for, what you care about. That's why I believe if we are fortunate enough to win back the House and or the Senate, that's when civility can start again. But up until then, the only thing the Republicans seem to recognize and respect is is strength. Now, again, I I bring that up simply because, you know, today she's saying, well, we've got to end the angry political rhetoric. And I think two weeks ago, she was contributing to the angry political rhetoric. And then let's just turn back the clock about uh, two years to September 10th of 2016, We're speaking at a fundraiser in New York City. Hillary Clinton said, you know, to be just, and again, I'm quoting, you know, to be just grossly generalistic, you could put half of Trump's supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables, right? The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. And unfortunately, there are people like that, and he has lifted them up. The other half of Trump supporters feel that government has let them down and are desperate for change. So, I mean, on the one hand, you have one of, I think, the principal practitioners of angry political rhetoric over the the course of time, and I'm not even getting into the vast right-wing conspiracy, now denouncing the angry political rhetoric. And again, I think, you you know, maybe somebody should ask Mrs. Clinton, well, all right. You're denouncing this angry political rhetoric, but perhaps you know have have you been one of the people that has contributed to it as well? In any event, I don't want to step on the lead. The the big story is that some psycho has sent pipe bombs to former President Barack Obama, form the the home of the Clintons' home in upstate New York, as well as to the CNN offices. This comes on the heels of a device which was sent to the home of George Soros, who is the militant, liberal, billionaire, you know, donor. There are reports that there are another one might have been intended for um, former Attorney General Eric Holder. Apparently, at least, and again, I, I don't want get to get too caught up in the fog of war, which is like reports as these are breaking news things. Uh, but the one also was at, at Debbie Wasserman Schultz's office. but. My understanding is these packages all had her office as a return address, so that one might have been addressed for somewhere else. But in any event, authorities, at least so far, and we don't know if there are more of these things that are out there. But so far, um, all nothing has been detonated. I mean, so there, there haven't been any loss of life. But this is it's a big, it's a big big deal that you have some psycho who is is sending these particular things that that are out there. The working assumption that law enforcement has is because these devices all have similar characteristics. The the working assumption is they're they're all. This is this is a coordinated effort, and it's all being done by the same person or persons. Um, And and of course, law enforcement is aggressively you know going after this and. Hopefully they will be able to identify the person or persons responsible and end up bringing him to justice. So, I mean, the, the good news is that so far nobody has been injured as a result of this, but still this, this is scary. And just like when you had the congressman who was shot a couple years ago at the baseball game in, um, in Washington DC, whenever you have these acts of terrorism, and it is, this is an act of domestic terrorism. It, it doesn't matter. Whether it's directed at Republicans, it doesn't matter. Whether it's directed at Democrats, it is a matter of, of domestic terrorism and needs to be denounced. And authorities need to investigate. And once they catch the people responsible, they need to be prosecuted to the full extent of of the law. Interestingly enough, already though, there are people that are starting to you know point fingers. For example, I want to read you the first four paragraphs of. the the New York Times story that appears on this. Explosive devices sent to Clinton's Obama and CNN. Explosive devices were sent to former President Barack Obama and former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, as well as the CNN's offices in New York, sparking an intense investigation on Wednesday into whether a bomber is going after targets that have often been the subject of right-wing ire. A law enforcement official said that three devices were similar to one found Monday at the home of George Soros. None of the devices harmed anyone. Law enforcement officials said they were investigating whether all the devices were sent by the same person or persons. Mrs. Clinton, Mr. Obama, Mr. Soros, and CNN have all figured prominently in conservative political attacks, many of which have been led by President Trump. He has often referred to major news organizations as the enemy of the people, and he has had a particular animus for CNN. In a statement, the White House condemned the attempted violent attacks. Uh, the White House statement said these terrorizing attacks are despicable and anyone responsible will be held accountable to the fullest extent of the law. The U.S. Secret Service and other law enforcement agencies are investigating and will take all appropriate actions to protect anyone threatened by these cowards. That's the White House statement. All right. Let, let's let's cut to the chase because this is let me discuss the issue that I think you'll be hearing all over all the Talking Head shows this evening, you have again this uh, some psycho, and anybody that, that mails pipe bombs to anyone is is a psycho. It is clearly an act of domestic terrorism, no question about that. But let's just let's cut to the chase. Is this Donald Trump's fault? I mean, the New York Times is already saying that. Look, the, these are targets that figure prominently in conservative political tax, many of which have been led by President Trump, is President Trump ultimately responsible for what happened today or what has happened today, some psycho acting out in this particular fashion? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. is it Trump's fault? We discuss in a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. 116, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Hey! It's 119. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. President Trump is getting ready to make some remarks. I believe he is at the White House. He's supposed to talk about opioid abuse, but he's also, we presume, he's going to be commenting. Eric Bill said, come on and sit down. He's going to be commenting on, uh, again, the, the various pipe bombs which were sent uh, across the country today, to particularly in Washington and New York. In New York, that is. Right.
1: This was a scheduled event to talk about the opioid epidemic that everyone has been fighting. And because of what's happened today with these pipe bombs, the White House says, yes, he is expected to also address the, uh, the devices that have been sent. At this point, it looks like the First Lady is speaking. Okay, let's dip in. Let's see what she's
8: work still to be done. We are here to talk about the continued actions we are taking to combat the opioid epidemic which my husband will talk about in a few minutes. I must say I'm proud of our president and the work being done in the White House and across so many agencies to help those affected by drug abuse and addiction. Just last week I visited Thomas Jefferson University Hospital to learn about their maternal addiction treatment, education, and research program called MATTER. This program supports families and babies born with Neonatal Absence Syndrome by providing mothers with the tools they need to help become successful parents. My campaign, We Best, is committed to helping children and the many issues they face as they grow up. And sadly, drug abuse is one of those issues. BeBest will continue to shine a light on successful programs like Matter that demonstrate positive results for children. Over the past year, I have traveled both nationally and internationally learning about many of the programs offered through private organizations, schools and hospitals, which are meant to help children and families as they deal with drug addiction. What I constantly hear is the need for support at all levels. Law enforcement needs our support and the resources necessary to stop criminals from putting drugs on the streets. Families need the resources to get treatment and follow-up care for for loved ones. Those who are addicted need the support, resources, and guidance to know they are fighting a disease and should not be ashamed. Young mothers need the support necessary to not only beat their addiction, but get the tools needed to become successful parents. Babies born addicted need the resources for treatment, but also need follow-up care for years to come. I was honored to be part of a roundtable comprised of several experts at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital, that was convened to help with the design and implementation of a new initiative the Department of Health and Human Services is working on to measure the long-term health outcomes and needs of infants suffering from neonatal abstinence syndrome. As a nation, we must come together to fight this epidemic by providing as many resources as possible and I know that as long as my husband is in office, this will remain a priority. Fighting opiate abuse goes across all party lines. Thank you all for being here and being part of the fight to end this epidemic. It is now my honor to introduce the President of the United States.
1: President Trump at the White House in an opioid event expected to address the suspicious packages that were sent to several
9: VIPs on the East Coast. I want to thank you very much, Melanie. I know how hard you've worked on this. And uh, that's just one of many languages that you know. So it's uh, just amazing the way you can do it. Thank you very much, darling. Appreciate it. Also, I want to thank Mrs. Pence, for being here. You have been uh, just so terrific working alongside of our great Vice President, and thank you very much, Gary. Really appreciate it. I'd like to begin today's remarks by providing an update on the suspicious packages and devices mailed to current and former high-ranking government officials The safety of the American people is my highest and absolute priority. I have just concluded a briefing with the FBI, Department of Justice, Department of Homeland Security, and the U.S. Secret Service. As we speak, the packages are being inspected by top explosive experts, and a major federal investigation is now underway. The full weight of our government is being deployed to conduct this investigation and bring those responsible for these despicable acts to justice. We will spare no resources or expense in this effort. And I just want to tell you that in these times, we have to unify. We have to come together and send one very clear, strong, unmistakable message that acts or threats of political violence of any kind have no place in the United States of America. It's a very bipartisan statement, I can tell you from both sides, we both agree on that. This egregious conduct is abhorrent to everything we hold dear and sacred as Americans. My administration will provide additional updates as they become available. And I just want to thank everybody for their understanding. We're extremely angry, upset, unhappy about what we witnessed this morning. And we will get to the bottom of it. We're gathered together today to address America's drug and opioid. And
0: President Trump now is going to move on to talk about the whole opioid abuse epidemic and the problems with that. But that there was a you heard his comments, and I think that's certainly the appropriate tone to take. A number of people are asking, it, were these really bombs, or is it possible that these were just fake? The, the, again, the initial reports are that these devices were extremely crude which is kind of the the nature of what pipe bombs are but um, the devices do appear to be working explosives but the final analysis is pending further testing my uh, again, my my sense is that you have some seriously deranged person who decided that they were going to act out in this fashion. And my guess is it's one person, or maybe just a handful of people. Most likely, I would think it would be one person. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to be sitting there saying, "Okay, well, this is this is President Trump's fault, or this is so and so's fault," and I, I think. Ugh. The reality of this is that we have had a coarsening of the political culture. You have certainly President Trump who has contributed to that. You have a number of people on the left who have decided as part of this resistance, we can do anything, we can say anything, anything goes. And I, I think you put all that together and it is that whole coarsening of the culture, which I, I think does it push people over the edge? No, I mean, the truth is, if you're going to send psych, if you're going to send, you know, wannabe pipe bombs, You've got something desperately wrong with you, period. But nevertheless, maybe it is an opportunity for people to take a step back and reflect on the culture. All right, let's take a quick break. It's 128, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 137, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We need your help to raise the beam. That's Eric Bilstad's new WTMJ Cares Project, and they hope to raise money for Wisconsin's 9-11 Memorial in Kewoska. This It's a wonderful cause. Check out what it will look like and how you can help Simply text the word CARES, C-A-R-E-S, to 414-799-1620. WTMJ CARES is presented by First Bank Financial. Well, okay, Halloween is this weekend, or coming up, I guess, technically it's the 31st, but a lot of celebrations and the trick-or-treating is going to be this weekend. Halloween, of course, creates all sorts of issues because, on the one hand, it's a time for people to dress up and kind of fly their freak flag, as it were, and um come up with creative costumes and all but at the same time we live in a politically correct world where all right there's certain costumes that you you can't do Megan Kelly hey Megan Kelly who's been struggling ever since she she went to NBC um she had a one of these episodes yesterday she apparently was on a panel on the today show and what what she was talking about was they were talking about um the, the whole idea of of Halloween and they were talking about how the costume police were out there cracking down on certain Halloween type of costumes. And then she went off on this riff on on blackface. You do get in trouble if you're a white person who puts on blackface on Halloween or a black person who puts on whiteface for Halloween. Back when I was a kid, that was OK, as long as you were dressing up like a character. And, you know, then she you know went on to kind of defend dressing up in blackface now she's had to walk that back with a tearful apology because people were outraged saying even within the context of halloween this is just this is inappropriate it has links to the minstrel minstrel shows shows and all but it does understand and underscore the fact that even with halloween and this idea that you want to be somebody different you got to be careful because there are lines that you just don't cross well all right i want to tell you a story about oak park michigan which is a community um, suburban community of Detroit. Now there is an update to this story that I'll give you in a little bit, but I want to talk about the story, the way it broke. Here is the deal. Oak Creek, um, Oak Creek, sorry, Oak Park, Oak Park in Detroit has this, it's a, it's a civic event. It's a, they call it the Boo Bash, B-O-O Bash. And it's held at the city's community center. It invites people to come and enjoy cider and donuts at a trick-or-treating event. Kids are invited to wear their favorite costumes, okay? The event is centered around children, but parents come. There was a caveat to this year's party. Kids have been invited to wear their favorite costumes, except no clown costumes were to be allowed. Here's the way that they explained it. They said, The event is centered around young children. In the past few years, many clown costumes have been given a very scary and evil look. Many scary and horror movies are centered around these types of characters. About three years ago, there were national incidents in the news where people were dressing up as clowns and scaring people, and in some cases, assaulting them. Many people have phobias and anxiety about clowns. It's because of this that we're asking people not to dress up as clowns for this event. So it's okay to show up as a ghost. It's okay to show up as a zombie. It's okay to show up as a werewolf. It's okay to show up as a witch. It's okay to show up as, I don't know, the Freddy Krueger character. You can, you can do that. You can presumably show up as, like, wearing the hockey mask as Jason from Friday the 13th but you can't dress as a clown because they're too scary. Four one four seven nine is the Accunate mortgage talk and text line. Is this a policy that makes sense because, all right, people might be scared about clowns. Yeah, some people are creeped out by clowns, or is this... Just incredibly dumb, <laughs> um, given the fact that Halloween is all about dressing up in costumes. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The community says, hey, look, you know, we've had some parents, we've got some concerns. You had this whole creepy clown thing from a couple of years ago. Clowns can be scary, they can be traumatic, so you can have any other costume you want, but don't show up dressed as a clown. What do you think of that, mom and dad? 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 142, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 145, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Now, there is an update to the story that we'll give you in a couple minutes, but a, a community in a suburb of Detroit, they, they have a, a community event. It's basically children-related, um, but it's you know, trick-or-treating and apple cider and you know candy and things like that. And they invite the kids to come dressed up in costumes. But this year, they said, all right, kids are invited to wear their favorite costume, but clown costumes are not allowed. Their justification was in the past few years, many clown costumes have been given a very scary and evil look. So you can show up as a vampire, you can show up as a witch, you can show up as a werewolf, you can show up as a zombie, but you can't show up dressed as a clown 414-799-1620. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's start with Danny in Shorewood. Danny, good afternoon. Hey, how you doing? Good. What do you think?
3: Well, I understand a little bit only because well I grew up afraid of clowns. And I still am to a point I don't feel comfortable around them, but I'm not, you know, definitely afraid. But I understand to the point where clowns have been made extremely frightening now. You know, mm-hmm. where like what's the Stephen King's It movie out and so right. on. Uh, the clowns have been made him look evil. But at the same time, Halloween is a time to be scared the heck out of. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've seen costumes that are a lot worse, like werewolf costumes. and
0: Zombie costumes. costumes
3: yeah. and zombies and so on. The problem, I think the main problem is that we're getting into a society now where unless the world is covered with Nerf, we
0: have to change everything. They show you one kind of giant nerf ball. I mean, okay, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line. Okay, so here's a note. By their logic, it's safe to go to Halloween parties dressed as an SS officer. Talk about um, you know virtue signaling so heavily that you can't see the forest for the trees. I mean, this this is the problem you have now. I when I first saw this headline, costumes banned, I thought it was going to be okay. You've got costumes that are too provocative or whatever. But this is no clown costumes. Peter on the South Side. Peter, you're on WTMJ. Yeah,
6: I was uh, telling him earlier. You know, I'm driving around with a clown mask right now, on my passenger seat headrest. Looking out the window, and I have gotten thumbs up all week long. No problems, no nothing. My son is afraid of clowns, and I sent him a picture of this, and he gave me a thumbs up. Okay, you now Peter, I do,
0: I do have to ask you: Why are you driving around with a clown mask in your car?
6: It's Halloween. You got to oh, enjoy. Okay. You got to, you got to stay young at heart. If you're okay. If you're a uh, Debbie Downer, okay. you're just going to grow old all, all by yourself. You just, I'm <laughs> sorry, it's just something that I've always done. I've done uh, Michael Myers last year. Okay, I had Jason the year before. Okay. It just happened to be a clown this time. And, I mean, I've never had nobody look down on me, just stare, except for today. I made a delivery at Brian Stratton College. <laughs> a young lady walked out. She saw my cl- uh, clown mess. She screamed a little bit. She's like, you know, that is great. I love it.
0: She goes, you have a great weekend, and she walked away. Yeah, well, right, because it's all in the the spirit of Halloween. Now, I mean, I guess, see, this is the thing to me. If if you want to have a party um, around Halloween and you want to say, for whatever reason, we're not going to allow costumes, I I guess – I would criticize that because I think it's silly, but at the same time, I would, I'd say, all right, I, I, maybe I understand that, but the idea that we're going to pick and choose certain costumes. Let's see, here's a text. I hate clowns, but seriously, get a grip. Find a puppy in a safe room and get over it. It is Halloween for pity's sake. And of course, somebody else makes the obvious joke. Sounds like they already have enough clowns running the town. I, I mean, I agree completely. It's like, all right, of all the different you know, themes, you know, which you have, you know, I mean, of all the different things that, you know, can scare you, whether it's, you know, vampires or mummies or or whatever, you know, they're going to end up singling out clowns. Now, I told you at the start of this that there was an update. This is just in the last couple hours. The city of Oak Park, well, they have now decided that the anti-clown ban they are going to back off of. All right. Working alongside city staff, the city's Parks and Recreation Committee makes a concerted effort to implement direct feedback they receive from residents of our community concerning the annual Boobash event. Over the last few years, many parents gave direct feedback saying that they were concerned their children would see clown costumes and relate to scary movies that are targeted for an adult audience. (sighs) Honest to goodness. I mean, really, break out the bubble wrap. That said, the city has now decided It will not ban people with clown costumes or any other costumes from participating in the Boo Bash event. However, we encourage parents to use their best judgment, given this is an event that caters to families and small children. Okay, so in other words, the the city manager who thought he had a good idea, apparently upon being mocked socially, uh, decided, well, I think we're going to back off on it. So the bottom line is, if you attend the city of Oak Park Boo Bash event, the Clowns are back in. 151, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 154, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Game one of the World Series was last night, and I, I did not watch it. Um, without the Brewers in it, I have no interest. Boston Red Sox beat the Dodgers 8-4. to There is a controversy. Matter of fact, the controversy occurred before the game. The Red Sox decided to invite um, Grammy-winning Rock and Roll Hall of Fame performer James Taylor, who is from the, the Northeast there they decided to invite him to sing the National Anthem. Here's here, here's James Taylor's version of the National Anthem last night at the um, World Series.
9: Oh, see, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, Whose broad stripes and bright stars Through the perilous fight. All the ramparts we've watched were so gallantly
0: One fifty six. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We just got a couple of minutes. I this this is generating a lot of controversy and in, in, in social the social media world where people hate on on everything. He's just getting absolutely ripped for that version of it. And how how dare you choose somebody like James Taylor? And this was terrible. I I I didn't think that was bad at all. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the accurate mortgage talk and text line. I I didn't I mean James Taylor. His family has ties to the Boston Red Sox. He's from New England. Um, he's based out of New England. Um, I I thought. I mean, I it, I thought it was a. I thought it was a good version of that. I mean, have I heard better? Yes, but I've certainly heard worse. He, he's just getting ripped, and the Red Sox are getting ripped for that. I did not think that was a bad version at all of the national anthem, certainly not something to get worked up about. All right, 414-799-1620 that is the Acenet mortgage talk and text line. All right, was am I missing something here? Was there some uh, again problem with with James Taylor and again the you know his family has has ties to the Red Sox organization. His family was, I guess, going back in the day. Helped, you know, build Fenway Park and things like that. But I, again, that that version of the national anthem, I didn't think was bad at all. Now, if you don't like James Taylor, I guess maybe I understand. But I didn't think it was bad objectively. Kevin and Delavan. Kevin, you're on WTMJ.
2: Well, Dowsman, but that's a- Dowsman. Yeah. Hi, Kevin. I agree with you 100. percent It's James Taylor. What do you expect? I mean, did he, did he <laughs> kneel? Did he kneel when he was doing it? No. no. Yeah. It's James Taylor. I thought it was pretty good, actually. It's people that are just get upset about nothing nowadays.
0: Yeah, no, th- thanks, Nicole. Right. I mean, it, it's, it's James Taylor. Now he's doing it, you know, with his acoustic guitar and stuff. I'm a Jimmy Buffett fan. Okay, you know, if. Uh, you know, Jimmy Buffett's kind of an acquired taste. If Jimmy Buffett was doing the national anthem, you know, he would do it and sound like Jimmy Buffett. And James Taylor does it. He sounds like James Taylor. Let's see. um, we got a number of texts. I actually thought it sounded pretty good. Um, I thought it was absolutely beautiful. I don't understand the problem. Another person texts. I've I've heard way worse. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, yeah. When when I first saw these headlines, I was thinking, okay, my goodness, what's going on? Did he, you know, w- was there some screw up and stuff? I just I think he did fine. Here's another text. Let's leave the national anthem issues to the NFL. James Taylor did a great job. That's that was what I heard as well. So I understand there's some people who want to create controversies. This to me was a non-issue. Um, he was respectful. He was good. He was James Taylor. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, James Taylor can sing the National Anthem anytime. All right, we got a lot of stuff coming up in the 2 o'clock hour, including limits on striking, $37 million for a high-speed bus line or not, and much, much more. Stick around. It's 150 HF Wagner, WTMJ. 208 Jeff Wagner WTMJ. So Melissa, do you know how cold it was in Warsaw, like around 6 a.m. this morning? Would you like to guess?
5: I don't, but let me guess. I'm going to say,
0: hmm, in the 20s. It was. All right. It was. Ding ding ding. Do I win something? Well, no. Okay. <laughs> do you know? But do you know why I care, or why it is of interest to me that I would even ask you whether you knew how cold it was in Warsaw this morning? N- not really. All right. Well, see. Okay. Well, here here's. Here's the rest of that story. Tonight, at about uh, six fifteen, President Trump is going to be in Wausau, Mozyne, at the at the airport. Mm-hmm. And you want? Here's the deal: people started lining up to attend the Trump event somewhere late yesterday afternoon. I mean, there were people in line by four or five or six o'clock yesterday. They stayed overnight. In twenty degree temperatures, to the point that um, by by six thirty this morning, they had they had hundreds of people that were standing in of running on that record, and he's done a great job of resisting the urge to get drawn into. Some of the national disputes by people, including myself, you know, you have the governor on the air and you ask him a couple of these questions. He hasn't gotten drawn into that. At the same time, you got to recognize that when it comes to rallying the Republican base, and that's what I think this election, this midterm is ultimately going to come down to. It's going to come down to a question of who is better off. In getting their votes turned out, like I say, for the last several months, there's been all this talk about a blue wave, and that might, in fact, that might, in fact, uh, emerge. But that blue wave has, I think, largely been based on what they would determine as an enthusiasm gap. You know, the people that hate President Trump, they're ready to run through brick walls to, you know, be part of the resistance and vote to send a message to Donald Trump. They're going to vote against everybody that has an R on their after their name. That's been the thinking, and I think that's showed up in some of the early polling, to the extent you believe the polling. That is now starting to change, and now you have a lot of Republicans who are, I'm saying this, they're they're coming home. And I think when you have the President of the United States who still has the largest bully pulpit in the world, coming here to campaign for candidates, well, I think that that's that's a good thing. And my guess is that all of those folks who are standing in line and have been standing in line since 6 o'clock yesterday evening, waiting to get into that airplane hangar to, to see the President Trump in the rally, they're going to be people who are going to take that message and they're going to go home, and they're going to be part of the ones that get themselves and their family and their friends and run through those brick walls to vote. So I... I think it's going to be a very, very good night for Republican candidates. I think President Trump, I tell you, there's nothing like a Trump rally. And I understand that the the detractors don't like to hear that. The idea and the importance of these things is coming out. President Obama, former President Obama, he's supposed to be in town for a few days as well. But, you know, my guess is that everybody that goes to that rally tonight is going to walk away motivated to go out and vote in two weeks and that's what it's all about now because a number of these elections are about one thing and one thing only and that is turnout and who can turn out their voters that's going to be the determining factor on you know two weeks from yesterday and when it comes to helping energize voters i don't think there's anybody better than donald trump 222 jeff wagner wtmj it's 224, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you were listening earlier, we were talking about this community in, outside of Detroit that had originally decided they were going to ban clowns' costumes from their Halloween celebrations. And we had a guy who called in and said he was driving around with a clown mask in the front seat of his car. And I, I asked him that, that obvious question of, of why. And he said, eh, it's just Halloween. He's, I, I, I assume it's the same guy sent, or, or else there's two of them like that, sent me a picture of this giant, like, clown mask that's in, <laughs> driving around in a car. <clears throat> okay. Well, I guess it, it, it's Halloween. Just, just get with it. That's, uh, it, it's kind of like, it's this, in this particular case, it's kind of like a, what's sort of like a clown dummy or something. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's Halloween. Get with the program. All right. As we have talked about on multiple occasions before, Milwaukee County, is for all intents and purposes it's broke when when you look at the obligations it has that is the money that's going to have to pay out and the money it has coming in it's it it's broke and you look at some of the big spending projects that that are out there the the courthouse uh the safety building actually um it's it it's decrepit. it needs to be replaced. That's probably two hundred and fifty million dollars, right? Then you've got all the issues with the maintenance of the parks. You've got the Milwaukee Public Museum, which is in Park county. you know that's they're they're looking to move they they need what a hundred million dollars or whatever. You've got the controversy involving the domes. you've got the ongoing pension problems. I mean, it's just one thing after another. and the truth of the matter is, we, you know, there's just not enough money. That That's just the reality. So into this mix, we throw an item that is in the, the new budget, and that is bus rapid transit. Now, we have talked about this before, and in my opinion, it's part of the ongoing war that Chris Abley and Tom Barrett have about cars. And the idea of bus rapid transit is essentially to create a dedicated traffic lane that will run from downtown out to the medical college. Um, For example, I mean, here it would be a nine-mile route extending west from the lakefront or along Wisconsin Avenue through downtown, through the Marquette University campus, out to North Hawley Road, where it would then turn south and go down Blue Mound Road. Then you'd go down Blue Mound Road till it got to 95th Street and then it would turn west on Wisconsin Avenue. If you wanted to go from the beginning, like the lakefront, out to the medical college, uh, the total route would be 37 minutes on weekdays. Okay, That's, That is the idea. Now, the downside of this is that you're going to essentially be destroying the traffic flow because you're going to be taking away a lane, at least a lane of traffic, all along that route. If people live on Wisconsin Avenue or Blue Mound Road or you have businesses there, well, look out because it's going to be impossible to get out of your driveways and it's going to be impossible to get in and out of of businesses. So that's the thing. And it's 37 minutes. I mean, I don't know how much time that really shaves off if you got on a bus now and, and took that route, but it's 37 minutes. They've got some cockamamie projection that claims that if you did this, You'd have more than 9,500 riders that would use this service each weekday by 2035. Well, I don't know. That, that's 15 or 16 or 17 years. I don't think so. The only way people would be using it in those type of numbers is if it just got to the point where people just said, we can't drive cars in the city of Milwaukee or Milwaukee County anymore, so we've got no choice but to use it, which might be the master plan of people like Tom Barrett and Chris Abley. But in any event, here, here's the deal. Um The estimates are to get this started with the bus stations, the bus rapid transit lanes, the diesel hybrid buses, the charging stations, if they used electric buses, the whole deal to do this will cost $52.2 million, $52.2 million. Milwaukee County is asking the feds to give us, to give them I don't live in Milwaukee County anymore. So to give them, those of you who live in Milwaukee County, you are asking the feds to give you $37.4 million in grants, $37.4 million. And then, of course, uh, Milwaukee County would be responsible for coming up with the rest and then also operating costs. 414-799-1620, that is the Accurate mortgage talk and text line. I understand that there's a number of silly things that we spend money on in this country, in this state, and Lord knows locally. I cannot think, well, with the exception of Tom Barrett's streetcar, $124 million. Yes. With the exception of Tom Barrett's trolley, $52 million for a bus rapid transit line. 37 minutes between the lakefront and the medical college. To me, it is absolutely absurd. And, of course, even if the feds give the money, that means Milwaukee County, that effectively has no money now, they're still going to have to figure out a way to come up with the rest. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. What do you think? Good expenditure of $52 million? 234, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Now, look, I, I, I understand... Then we're talking about stupid projects that are incredible wastes of money. Everything pales in comparison to the 124 million dollar flop. I mean, the hop that you know, Tom Barrett's Trolley Folly, the streetcar to nowhere. So, I, 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 but that can't be how we judge spending projects are around here it just can't be so chris abley wants fifty two point two million dollars he wants the feds to give us thirty seven million of that now so far the feds have not said yes and hopefully common sense will prevail we won't get the money and that kills this thing but he wants to build this bus rapid transit line which will essentially make traffic along wisconsin avenue and blue mound road very very problematic it will hurt the businesses along that area. It's not going to generate, in my opinion, any sort of significant type, significant type of ridership. But what's more, if you look at all the needs we have in this community, seriously, if you've got $52 million lying around, think of all the other things that we could get started. And one of my texters says, well, I know it's partly the city of Milwaukee, but uh, we're, we're dumping poop into the lake on a regular basis because we've got the deep tunnel that never can be deep enough. So you know, why don't we take that fifty-two million and start separating some of the sewers in Shorewood and Milwaukee, so we don't keep dumping poop into the lake? Well, that's just one thing. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Jane in Wauwatosa. Jane, good afternoon.
5: Good afternoon, Jeff. Um, this bus route is just provides less service right now. There's a Gold Line that runs from UWM to Brookfield Square, and I ride that line and it goes well. Uh, the gold line will be eliminated. I've been to several of the meetings of this of this group. They're, they're very slick. They have beautiful maps and cookies mm-hmm. that they give out. <laughs> um, they will stop at the medical complex around 95th Street, and they'll go into the medical research center. Right now, the gold line weaves its way throughout the medical complex. So if you have an appointment at Sergeant Health Center, right. you're going to get dropped off at 95th Street, and you're going to have to find your way over to Sergeant Health Center. Okay. It will not go past the zoo. It will not take people to the jobs. When I'm on the bus, I see people with their like their uniforms for their jobs, you know, to go out to Brookfield Square. You'll have to switch buses there. They've said that probably Waukesha will pick up something, but there's nothing concrete there. Anybody who's coming down from the east side from UWM uh, to the medical complex, they'll have to switch. They'll have to get off that bus, hop on this one downtown, and then come out to the medical complex. Um, it's how how long
0: does it? T- how long does your route take you? I mean, how long are you on the bus?
5: I am on maybe twelve minutes from seventy six down to the Marquette campus. Okay, and um, almost everybody has these cards, so it's not a matter of people. Taking up time putting quarters in or dollar bills in. Almost everybody has a, a bus right. card that they load money onto.
0: Yeah, and see, and I just, I guess, I, I just don't see this saving that much time. Now, oh, it, admittedly, maybe a little bit, but a couple yeah. minutes isn't going to make a difference one way or the other.
5: Well, if they wanted to, you know, there are different ways that the bus company handles, um, express routes earlier in the day. They've got the number 30X and so on. If they wanted to really get people fast out to the medical complex in the morning or at the end of the day, they could just have a couple of lines that would go, you know, maybe fewer stops um, along the way. The other thing is that it is never, even though we've asked several times at these meetings about the, um, take a survey of the employees at the medical complex of who lives within a mile of the route. They've never done that, or they say they can't do that. So if it's and the employees, the no, they,
0: it's to not, market, not that they can't do it; it's they don't want to do want it because they, <laughs> they know what they know what the numbers are going to show. Your yeah. your point being, uh, if they claim employees gonna are going to ride this, yeah. you know, if, if you've got to walk three miles to get to the line, you're not going to use it anyways, because yeah. then you are going to have and to drive to, your car somewhere. Yeah. And
5: add on to that, I and maybe one of your callers will tell me or texters will tell me differently, but I don't believe that you pay for parking when you're an employee out at the medical complex. So there would not be any financial benefit for you to switch from driving your own car, and they're building parking structures out sure. there like crazy. Um, so there's no financial benefit to switch to, to ride a bus for seven minutes quicker if it's even that.
0: Right. So you yeah. You see, and that. again, I mean, there there are things like you know you talked about. There, there are things you could do if if you wanted to you know give the buses for example the ability to play with some of the light extend the lights so they could go through you could do stuff like that and it, it wouldn't cost you 52 million dollars uh, you know no no thanks Nicole Jane you obviously know a lot about what you're talking about see here's what i, I this is what i believe and and again i i don't want to go too far down this conspiracy route but but this is i think part of this big plan to again it, it all comes back to the trolleys I think that the ultimate plan, and people was, okay, once we get this dedicated bus lane in, all right, then, then, all right, well, then we don't want to take these buses. Then what we'll do is we'll, this is the justification, give us another couple hundred million dollars, and and we'll extend the trolley line that'll be out there. I mean, it's just, the, the bottom line, this is $52 million. And seriously, if you look at all the major problems that we have in this community, $52 million for a rapid bus transit line that knocks a couple minutes off this particular route and is going to really, 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 did I say really? Really screw up traffic along that route because this is, I mean, when the freeways, for example, have a problem, Wisconsin Avenue, Blue Mound Road, these are some of the principal alternative things. I just, taking away a lane of traffic at the cost of $52 million is just, to me, what's the word I'm looking for? Nuts. <laughs> Nuts. Let's talk to Mike in Wind Lake. Mike, you're on WTMJ.
3: afternoon, uh, Jeff. I'm a law enforcement officer in Milwaukee County, and this is just kind of sickening. Nobody's riding the buses as it is mm-hmm. for the most part. They have enough buses going on. What are they doing about the courthouse? It's crumbling. Right. It's very old. That, that
0: the sa- rebuilding the safety building is two hundred and fifty million dollars, and it's got to be done. There's no question it about it.
3: Absolutely has to be done. Also, the Milwaukee County Mental Health Facility—that thing is sixty years old or so. It's poorly run. What are they doing with that? These problems are just stacking up. They're not doing anything about it. I mean, these are the facilities people are using every single day. The courthouse milwaukee county mental health facility uh one of the nice things they did do was the sojourner truth house that's a nice facility but this bus line situation is ridiculous for something people aren't using
0: right and, and aren't going to use and then of course you get these cockamamie numbers saying well you know, within 20 years, we'll have, you know, 9,000 people using it. Well, okay, maybe, maybe not. Uh, I guess a lot depends on stuff. But but right now, given all the needs that you've identified in Milwaukee County, again, we're not even talking about some of the wants. We're not talking about, you know, what what they want to do with the domes, you know, if that's worth preserving or, or, again, the museum or all the park maintenance and stuff like that. We're not talking about any of that, but you're going to spend $52 million on a rapid bus transit line? Give me a break.
3: And the bottom line is, I'm in the millennial generation. My generation doesn't want to ride the bus. Right. We're in a medium level city where we can afford a car, can afford the parking, and we want to have our own car and drive to our destination right. and not take the bus.
0: Yeah, you know. And th- thanks for the call, Mike. You're, you are you are so right. The the reality is that again, look, there are there are some cities that you go into where and, and okay we were in Europe a couple weeks ago where uh, it they're so congested um that that you just for all practical purposes you can't drive that that's just the reality so that's why you need the vigorous and vibrant public transportation system and there's places like that in the United States as well Milwaukee isn't that place and I don't think anybody's arguing that Milwaukee's going to be that place in the next 20 years. Uh, it, cars are cheap. Parking is cheap. It is affordable. And that is one of the things. When you talk to people who really you know are objective about this, for people who don't have cars, I mean, w- once they get jobs, one of the first things they buy is what? It's a car because they want the freedom and flexibility to be able to get around when they want. Now, I'm not anti-bus. And I'm not saying... Do away with the, do away with the bus lines that we have running out there now. Also, if you've got enough justification, add a couple more bus lines if there's that much. But this idea of spending $50 million, tearing up the streets, taking away lanes from traffic, creating all the problems for people who live or work or who do business in that area, all to save a couple minutes, it's just not worth it. And it is an ineffective and almost obscene waste of money. Given all the other needs that we have around here, Jim and Franklin, Jim, you're on WTMJ?
6: Hey Jeff. Thank not you. only is this is there a lack of a positive benefit to this, there's actually a negative effect on uh, if they put this in on traffic. so it'll it'll goof things up even more. And uh, one other thought is that I'm trying to sell a house here in Franklin and I have done for six months, and most of the people that I talk to, Don't want to live in Milwaukee County. They all want to move to Waukesha County, right? Because of this kind of goofiness going on in in Milwaukee County,
0: it's amazing. Oh well, yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, especially when you look at all the all the very real needs, you know, that that they have. In Milwaukee County for for money, you know, and, and these things that you we've got to spend the money on. You got to replace the safety building; it's falling down. You've got all these things, and we're going to spend fifty two million dollars on a bus line. Really,
3: like you said, it's cockamamie.
0: No, thanks for the call. It's just, and it, it's sort of like one of these frustrating sort of things. And again, it, it's all based on this this idea. That well, okay, we're, we're going to be able, if you build it, people will jump on this and this is what people really want. Um, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. Now, again, the, the best news is this doesn't get off the ground unless the federal government decides that it is going to take $37 million and just Pee it into Lake Michigan. I mean, that's, that's effectively what we would be doing. So this doesn't get off the ground unless the feds come up with 37 million, just like Tom's trolley folly wouldn't have gotten off the grounds if it weren't for the tens of millions of dollars of federal money that was around. Hopefully, at least for the foreseeable future, Milwaukee County doesn't get this grant. So we don't have to worry about this, but you know, who knows how that'll turn out. 245, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Two forty nine, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. If you are a regular listener of this program, you know that one of um, my ongoing frustrations is the absolute failure of the criminal justice system, both in southeastern Wisconsin and across the state, and actually across the country, to deal with juvenile crime. We have this this sort of antiquated "leave it to Beaver" attitude that oh, the people that are out there that are committing crimes now it's it's just they're they're just these wonderful young people who. Um, they 're just making mistakes, and it's it 's just that we we can 't you know we, we can 't come down too hard on them when the truth of the matter is that while that might be the case for some, it, we also have raised and are in the process of raising a generation of very very dangerous career criminals who start at early ages and yet we treat them with kid gloves over and over again and If you talk to law enforcement people, they will tell you that one of their greatest one of their greatest frustrations particularly with juveniles, is you catch the same kids over and over and over and over again for committing crimes and nothing happens to them. The DA's offices don't do anything to them. And then when it gets to the juvenile court system, just forget about it. The Madison police chief, a couple days ago, the Madison police chief, he he wrote this op ed piece, did a blog piece just ripping the judges and the juvenile justice system talking about the frustrations that they have in Madison. And this is Madison of all people, places where it's it's the same kids that are getting out over and over and over again and committing crimes. And of course, you know, you have the district attorney's offices and you have the judges that kind of hum and hum and hum and it's not our fault. Well, okay, here here's the here's the deal. All right. This year this year um there have been in Madison, 133 cases of juveniles stealing a car. That's between January 11th and October 11th. January 1st and October 11th. So for the first nine and a half months, 133 cases of car theft, essentially. Now, that that's nothing. You probably have 133 cars stolen in Milwaukee in, in a month. But 133 in Madison for the year. Get this. Um, of those car thefts, 27 juveniles were implicated in 90 of those cases. So 90 of the cars were stolen by 27 juveniles. So what does that tell you? You, again, have this core nucleus of criminals that are out there, you know, stealing cars over and over and over again. Let's see. Um, one One was um, responsible for 13. um, One was responsible for 10. And they continue to be turned loose to do this over and over again. And the police chief is just kind of throwing up his hand saying, you know, what are we doing here? The law allows the judges to detain juveniles for a variety of crimes, including car theft. But for some reason, stealing cars is not considered to be a big deal. So what happens is, these hardcore juveniles, they, they get released, and, hey, look, if you if you boost a car... Now, these are only, by the way, the number of cars that they have stolen, that they've gotten caught for. You know, so who knows how many cars have actually been stolen, because the truth of the matter is, just like drunk driving, you don't get stopped for drunk driving a lot of times the first time you did it. You've probably been driving drunk for 10, 15, 20, 30 times before you ultimately get caught. Same thing is true, I think, with car theft. know, you don't get caught necessarily the first time that you steal a car. That's perhaps down the road. So you have these repeat offenders who are doing this over and over and over again. They are known to the cops. They are known to the court system. And yet you have these judges that just turn around and put them out back on the street over and over and over again, because, well, I, I don't know. They're concerned that. Gee, if we incarcerate these kids, maybe it's going to mess up their lives or whatever. Well, what about what about all the other people whose lives are messed up by these repeat criminals who are out there committing crime after crime after crime? Why don't we care about the victims? Too much of the criminal justice system and too much of the orientation of the judges, particularly in the juvenile courts, is centered on the offender. Now, look, I get it if there's a way that, you you know, kids make mistakes and if there's a way that you can do something and have some consequences and rehabilitate them and scare them straight, I'm all in favor of that. But once you have these hardcore repeat offenders, enough is enough. And you have to say, all right, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to stop worrying about whether we can turn you into a productive citizen over the next six months and more worried about protecting the rest of us from the recidivist criminal. Just saying. And at least the Madison police chief is coming out and starting to say this. I would like to hear this come from, I don't know, people like the Milwaukee County District Attorney and the Milwaukee Mayor and the Milwaukee County Executive, but I'm not going to hold my breath on that. 254 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. When we come back, we're going to find out what John and Melissa have on their minds for Wisconsin's afternoon news. Please stick around.